Welcome to Reflections of Us at the Key. I'm Ethan. I'm Reagan. I'm Julian. Today we will interview Joy Bramble, publisher of the Baltimore Times. Welcome, Ms. Bramble. How are you feeling today? Thank you. I'm feeling fabulous. I'm just excited to be interviewed by young people. I love young people. Thank you. Going into my first question, what did you do before publishing newspaper? Actually, I was a teacher. I taught high school for about about 10 years before I, I decided to do this. But I grew up in a little place called Montserrat, and that's where I taught. And when I came to America, I taught high school here for a year. And then I decided that I wasn't sure that this is what I wanted to do. And then I got into publishing after that. What inspired you to own your own newspaper company? Okay, it used to bother me that everything I saw about Black people in the news was always negative. We were always the crack dealers, we were the thieves, we were the murderers, we were in jail. And I said to myself, you know, I don't know anybody like that. I really don't. And I don't, I go to church, I don't meet any of those people there. I do different things, I go to work, I don't meet any of these Black people who are doing all of these things. So it can't be everybody like that. I believe that images make a big, big difference in people's lives. And if you see always that Black folks are these horrible people, then you kind of tend to want to become one of those people. And so I decided that I would put a paper together that would only put good news about Black folks in the newspaper. That was my reason. Thank you. What were the steps to making your own newspaper? Oh, boy. (laughs) First of all, I knew absolutely nothing about putting a paper together. Um, First, I convinced my husband that this was a really good idea. He said it was a good idea, but who was going to do it? So I said, I'm going to do it. Okay. So what we did is we found a small newspaper in Carroll County that was kind of It wasn't a good newspaper, but it was small and it had a lot of community news in it. And we thought, you know, maybe we should go and talk to these people and to see how they put a paper together. And actually, we were greeted very nicely by, um, I've forgotten his name now because he's now dead, the publisher of this Carroll County Times. And they told us if we really, really wanted to put a paper together, that they would help us to put out the first edition. And he said we would do it. Then he told us how much it would cost. And of course, we, we didn't have the money to pay to print it. He said, oh, don't worry. We're going to help you. And um, where, I was re- where we left out, he put us in touch with a young man who he said had just come into his office and said that he knew how to do a paper online. Now, this was a man, he was probably in his 60s. And I was in my 30s, maybe. I can't remember, around 30. And we, we were old in comparison to what the internet was. And uh, Master Bobby would know more, a little bit more about that. But even in comparison to him, you know, we were really old people. And he said, you know, if you type something on a computer, it will go on a line and come to our office. And my husband and I said, what do you mean I can type something on a computer in my house and it goes online to an office? He said, well, I'll show you how. And that's what he did. 
we bought a computer. Actually, we borrowed money from my sister <laughs> to buy a new computer. It's called a K-Pro. They don't even make those anymore. And they came to the house and set it up so that we could dial in. We typed some of the stories for the paper. They did, we couldn't do photographs at that time. Everything had to be typed, and then we had to take the photographs to the printer. But everything was typed there and sent online. To When we got to the printer, then we had to put the paper together. I've had several very wonderful people who helped me to do this, and I always give thanks to them when I talk about this because there's no way in creation we could have put a paper together without their help. There was a young girl there who was a, an artist and she used to make up the paper for the supermarkets, which was to an artist, very boring. Because every week it was, you had to do an apple, you had to do a banana, you had to do a can of peas or whatever it is they were selling. But when, when she got the Baltimore Times and we had pictures and we had stories and she got to put them together and make them pretty. I always wanted a pretty paper to make them pretty. She used to look forward to seeing me and we were a monthly at the time. So she actually taught me how to actually put that paper together and um, to make it look pretty. All I wanted was to have a pretty paper. So when people picked it up, they'd say, well, this is a pretty paper. Let me pick it up and read it. So I always give thanks to those folks who helped me out tremendously because without them, there's no way I would have eventually learned how to do a paper myself. So that's, that's basically how, how, it, how it started. Thank you. And the other thing is that once we printed our paper, I print, we printed, I think it was 3,000 papers. I had no idea what to do with 3,000 papers. You know how many papers 3,000 papers are? It was enough to, to fill up your car. <laughs> so we thought, okay, well, where can we put these papers where people will get them? And the first place we went to, of course, we went to a lot of supermarkets and things like that. But the lucky stroke for us is that my husband is a priest. And he said, you know, we should take the papers to our church. And then he said, well, what about taking them to some of the other churches, the other black churches in the city? And they were very appreciative of the paper. And so we got to, that was a very good distribution point for us. So that's how we started out. Why do you think it impact, it's important to have positive stories? Because people are happy to see it. There's so many positive stories in Baltimore. If we had enough money, we could print. Our paper is usually between like 32 pages. If we had money, we probably could print a 100-page paper every week. So many wonderful things that folks are doing, Black folks are doing, all kinds of folks are doing. But they don't they don't get published because it doesn't really that doesn't really make the news. But the news that we wanted to make was news that would help talk about black people, show what they were doing, talk about the good things that we're doing, things that would encourage young people to be examples of. There are lots of stories like that. Every week we find papers, people we do stories about people who started their own business, people who are successful, kids who are doing very well in school, they have scholarships. There's lots and lots of good news stories if you find them. And once people found out what we were publishing, then we had let to look for stories anymore. They just kept bringing the stories to us. Grandmothers would say, look at my granddaughter. She just graduated from this, from this place. You know, um, people would say, my nephew is graduating. 
he got a scholarship and he's going to Morgan. Okay, this person is going to Coppin. Yes, and this one is going to be a doctor. And over and over and over, people, once we they figured out that that's what we were about, we had very little problems actually getting the news. Most days we have more news than we can actually afford to publish. What are some of the challenges as a black woman in business? Oh, trying to get people to agree to pay us. <laughs> that's, that's a big, big, big problem. Yes, it's a free newspaper. Yes, it's free, <laughs> but it's not free to us. Because first of all, we have to employ people to write. A lot of stuff that we did at first is that we had, we started with zero dollars. That's the whole thing. And we got lots of folks who like to write and they would write stories and bring them to us. They didn't, they were happy to get published. So we didn't have to pay them. We were lucky, but we did have to pay the printer. So then we had to convince people to buy an ad in the paper. And I tell you what, selling an ad is a tough, 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 tough proposition. <laughs> we have to practically browbeat people to, to, to help us. But slowly but surely, we got people in the community to run small ads. And little by little, I think the first big ad that we ever got was from Giant. And I thank Giant from the bottom of my heart every day because without Giant, you wouldn't have had a ball in one time so it for 30 some years. <laughs> and that helped us. And once people saw Giant in the paper, then we got other ads. So it, it just kind of grew, you know, organically, like something like that. How do you think your newspaper impacts the community? Oh, I think it has a tremendous impact. I mean, I am really amazed, first of all, at how many people actually read the paper and who appreciate what we've done. We get thousands of calls every week of people who want us to write stories about them or, or they have a story for us. Of course, we can only afford to publish what we can afford to pay for. So some of them doesn't don't, don't get on. Although... Now, of course, we have the internet, so now they can, a lot of them can go online. But basically, I think that when, when people are successful that we've written about, you'd be amazed at how many times they come back and thank us. Or some or they have clip when they we give them clip, they can clip our newspaper up and they can show them, okay, this is what the Baltimore Times wrote. And you know, most people think that what they see in a paper is true. You know, it's not always true. In the Baltimore Times, it's true, but not so much in the other papers. But you know they use they can use that as an experience as you know as a as a fact and um the best thing that ever happened to me i was sitting on a plane i was can't remember where i was going and um started to chat he was a general older gentleman and he was saying you know ask me what i did and i said you know i run a newspaper and he said oh what newspaper and i said the baltimore times he said the baltimore times just a minute, he went into his pocket and pulled out his wallet and he had a newspaper clipping. It was so old that, you know, when you fold a paper up, it gets little creases on the edges. You're probably young to know that, yeah? And he showed me the picture of, showed me this clipping. He says, this is from the Baltimore Times. And do you know what? My grandson read this article and he got a scholarship and he's graduating as a doctor. And that's where I'm going. I'm going to his graduation. And trust me, <laughs> the smile, I smile for the next six months because I'm thinking, okay, this is why we do the Baltimore Times. So sometimes when I'm aggravated, when we don't have any money to pay the printer, 
when people don't send us the articles on time, when they don't do what they're supposed to do, I say to myself, you know what? I always remember that man. I never felt so proud in my life like that time. That man pulled out the paper. He says, he says, so who are you? I said, I'm Joy Brown. I'm the publisher. You're the publisher? I said, yes. I said, yes. Yeah. And I've never forgotten that story. And I tell everybody that story all the time because that's the feeling that we want people to have, you know, to be proud that they're in a newspaper. This is a black newspaper writing about black people. And we all know that for one story like that, there's a million stories like that. They don't always get published, but at least the ones that get published, people, people read them. That's such a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite story, Baltimore Dunk story. <laughs> now, if we try to run our paper as a business, and that's a whole nother, um, that's a whole nother kettle of fish. <laughs> if you wanted to discuss that part as, as being in a business, it's, but I think printing is probably, publishing is a, is a pretty expensive business because you always have to pay the printer. Of course, now you can go online, but it's not the same thing. People like that newspaper feel. <laughs> yeah. So it's different. And the internet has made a, a big difference to us too. Because now we, could, we get to publish more stories because they could go online and it doesn't really cost anyone, cost that much to put stuff online. But I think that the most important thing is that Black folks need to be to go into business. I believe it's very, very important because that way you have your own way of you know, feeding your family, educating your family the way in which you want to. And um, it just gives you a, a sense of more control of your life, I think. It's not an easy task. It's not always easy. But somehow or other, a, a lot, what I like, I, what I see now is there a great number of young people who are embracing, you know, the fact that they're going to go into business. They have a good idea and they try to see how they can make it work. And I think that's a very good, uh, that's lots of promise for, for folks because we have to be able to support ourselves. And it's important that other people support us, you know, buy their products. If they don't like the product, tell them why. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> why don't you put something else in it? Why don't you do that? Or, you know, help them make suggestions, not in a negative way. Everybody needs suggestions. Lots of ways, things that we did wrong, people helped us by telling us that you're doing it the wrong way. And you can switch around. But I think folks, Black folks, definitely need to be in business. And on this weekend where we're celebrating Juneteenth, that this is a very, very important thing. <laughs> Those people in Juneteenth, they, they control their lives until, of course, you know what happened. They got burned down. But it's always, I think, good that we can support ourselves in that way. And then we can then pass that on to our children. It's, it's you know, it starts, it starts old and then it goes, goes down to, gen, to through generations. And I'm very, very supportive. We, Baltimore Times, we are very supportive of a small business. We like to write stories about them. You know, they can't always advertise. We don't wait for them to advertise. We just write a story. We try to promote that business because that's how you develop intergenerational wealth, which I am very, very very strongly fall. What is your future goals for the Baltimore Times? I want to be like the New York Times. <laughs> no, I'm not there yet. But we want to be able to do to expand our, our readership. 
And of course, we want to do more things online. We finally caught up with the rest of, I'm going to be truthful here. The internet kind of, because I'm old, kind of swept me over. And I didn't really understand what the, what the importance of the internet. And I have to admit that, especially, I hate to admit it to young people, but that is the truth of the matter. But we caught up with that. We actually have our own little podcast. Our site is delightful. I hope you'll go on it. We have a lot of stories on it. And we expand, we intend to expand a lot of the things that we are actually doing, doing on, on that. So my goal is to do more on more on the internet, to do more of those kinds of things. Um, I'm going to follow Bobby. He's going to train me how to do podcasts like he's doing a podcast now. I actually have, we actually have one going now. And to be able to offer like more services and, and, and things like that. Because we would like to attract, you know, more young people to be able to write Thanks to, you know, thanks to the paper. We don't just want, want to have popular stories and good stories, but we also want to be able to have good editorials, very strong editorials. And to have good editorials, we need people who can write well and people who can write the truth. We can't have an editorial that's writing stuff and it's not true. You know, people understand how to write an editorial. They're very hard to find these days. For some reason, we don't know why. Difficult, yeah. But but I'd like to expand expand or reach way into the point of the internet online. How can we build black wealth in the future? We should make it our business to find black businesses to support. You know what I mean? And if you can't find a black business, then go somewhere else. But we as a people have to make make sure, make make sure that we can go. Because businesses can't grow unless they get support. You can open your door. You can have the best food. You can have the best, I don't know, self-aware, best car, whatever it is. But if you, if people don't support you, your business doesn't grow. So we should make that a definite, definite thing to look first for somebody Black that you can support. I'm not telling you, of course, the businesses have to do their part too. You know what I mean? It's a two-way street. But we have to support them. Because most black businesses, it's very difficult to get money from a bank, all right? Hard. So you have to go through all of these little steps in order to get money. If you have no, if you have no experience, you're going to a bank, the first thing they're going to ask you is, okay, so you want to open up a grocery store, okay. What's your bank account like? How are you going to buy your supplies? There's all those different things they're going to ask you. If you don't have those right answers, then you're not going to be able to get money. But you know what? There are, there are like credit unions, there are family businesses that you, they can start. You can start with asking for small amounts from your family. Your families can start that. They can then ask people to support your business. Those are all things I think from a practical standpoint. Yes, it's nice to go into the bank and get a $200,000 line of credit. But you know what? If you haven't built your business properly, when it comes time to pay the piper, there's no money there. But if you start small and you build in small in small blocks, then eventually you can go out, and then you can actually, when the bill comes due, you can you can pay. Do you, you see you see what I mean? How can black businesses support the community? Okay, black businesses that are doing really well can support the community in in a myriad of ways. They can help by maybe letting um, folks use their premises. If it's an event, to, you can help to promote it. Um, 
that's what we do at Baltimore Times. We don't really have a lot of money to like give to people, but when they come with a, if it's a good event, I mean, we will advertise it. I think, I think everyone in the community knows that we'll write a story about it. And um, if it's the black business, they should let you, you could let you put flyers in there. You can make a, give a discount if they're able. You know, there are things that we can do. We have to get it in our heads that it's kind of like one community. And if one section is doing well, everybody kind of spans out to everybody. And that's how I look at, that's how my idea of the black community is. If one person is doing well, then everybody does well because it, it kind of spreads around. Okay, yes, you don't have a million dollars, but maybe you have five. Maybe you have to give advice and you'd be amazed how much how good advice is to a small business person, somebody who's actually been in business for a while, you'd be amazed that lots of people come to me and ask me how to start a paper. And I tell them, because if they could start a paper and it's successful, then I could brag about it. But more than that, when it's successful, they're hiring people, you know? And I always think, you know, my grandchildren may want to marry one of their children. We have to look at that as a whole like a big pot. There are all these different elements in it. We don't all, all of us don't have the same element. But whatever we have, we share with each other. And it spreads out, you know, to, to, so that everybody can get a, get a little piece. And eventually that pot, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the, the pieces in it get more and more successful. And that successful drives more success. You see what I mean? It, it kind of spreads around. And I believe it's kind of a, a philosophy of sharing. You know, you share stuff. And lots of sharing, it doesn't cost any money. Lots of advice costs no money. No point being selfish. Because when you're selfish, you're by yourself. But if you have an opinion or have something that you know that can help somebody else, you give it to two people, that, that two then becomes four. Sometimes it becomes eight, 16. And you never, ever know when that 16th person they come back and have something to help you with. And that's what's helped me because we have had so many folks who have said, you know what, I like what you're doing. Let me help you. I've, I've been the recipient of lots and lots of help from lots and lots of Black people. Some of the things we were doing wrong, we say, you know what, that's not a good idea. I have a better idea for you. Let's do that. Suppose we all did that. Imagine what a difference that would make in our world. So that's my philosophy. Thank you, Ms. Bamboo. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for asking me. It makes me feel proud. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Reflection Less at the Keep. I'm Reagan. I'm Ethan. I'm Julian. Reflection Loss Podcast is a production of Son of a Dream Services and Multimedia Resources. Our theme music is by Jay Soul for BSN Productions. Be sure to subscribe to Reflection Loss Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, visit reflectionofloss.org to learn more about our work. Thank you for your support. We the reflection of our hands up.